0: Hello, and welcome to the TechTurt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monarch. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Faiting and taking on all the plates and pay to pay control Document the ways that they aim to take control. Stigmatize and do their lies and make If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. There have been lots of debates lately about, uh, well, the big tech companies and how intertwined with our lives that they may be or may not be, depending on how you look at it. There's also been plenty of talk about whether or not something should be done about these companies and to a, a lesser extent what it should be if something should be done. Uh, The companies themselves have argued for years that they are not monopolies and that competition is just a click away, as the saying goes, Uh, though many uh, certainly like to argue that point. Uh, Reporter Kashmir Hill, who has been reporting on the privacy beat and the tech beat for many, many, many years and is currently the deputy editor for uh, the special projects desk at Gizmodo, uh, is has been talking about this and and thinking about this uh, and is one of the few reporters who I've long considered to be a must read. uh, And her latest series is no exception to that role. Uh, Given all the concern about these big internet companies, Hill recently experimented with cutting each of the big tech giants out of her life for an entire week, uh, and then did one final week without all of them. and has written a story about each of those weeks. Um, As we're recording this, uh, only some of the weeks have been (laughs) released. Uh, So far, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, and her experiences without them have all been released. Um, By the time this podcast goes up in a few days, um, two more of them will be up, which will be, um, now I'm suddenly forgetting, you can jump in. <laughs>
1: I feel, yeah, this whole series has been like being in a time machine, and I've been struggling with tense throughout it. Um, but, yes, I think when this podcast comes out, uh, I'll have cut the five tech giants out of my life, but the full block will be okay. coming the, two days later.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and and it, it's just, it's worth noting that in order to do this, uh, you worked with a technologist, uh, Dhruv Marotra, Uh, I think I pronounced that right. Nailed it. (laughs) All right. Excellent. Uh, Who built a specialized VPN for her that would completely block all access to each of these companies' products. And it really went very, very far in doing that. Um, The stories are really, really interesting. And it's fascinating to sort of think about it and sort of recognize how intertwined with our lives these companies are. Um, so I certainly in reading these have, uh, it brought up a whole bunch of questions for me and a whole bunch of thoughts and opinions. And, um, and so I wanted to have cash on the podcast and here you are. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so let, let's start with the obvious question for something like this. Like, how did you come up with this idea? It's, it's, it's the kind of thing that like lots of people talk about, um, but nobody actually does. <laughs> and so you actually went for it.
1: Yeah, the actual, the actual. I haven't written about this, but the actual inception for this series was that a critic of Google came to me and said, you know, Google is too powerful. You should try to cut them out of your life and, you know, see how hard it is. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's actually a good idea, but I want to do it with not just Google, but all the big tech companies. And at first I thought I'd do Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh... I guess I should do Microsoft, they're big. And my editor said, well, you have to do Apple too. And I'm like, well, that'd just be too hard because <laughs> <laughs> Apple is my portal to all things internet. And like, they're the good guys, right? And my editor said, no, you have to do Apple too. So. And <laughs> being what has been deemed the frightful five.
0: Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a question of where do you cut that off? Because, right, you could, there. there are other companies that you could see certainly being added in there um, you know, Twitter or like Netflix, depending on, you know, if you use, I know you use Twitter. I have no idea if you use Netflix, but, um, but yeah, this does definitely seem like a a pretty, um, a a pretty good list of, of, of five very large, very powerful companies. Um, and, and so, um, you ended up working with, with this technologist. How did that come about?
1: Well, so I so I wanted to do this. I wanted to find out how how intertwined these company services are in our lives and you know, I feel like it's a journalistic rite of passage to do like I cut Facebook from my <laughs> life um or I went off Google and it was right. really hard cuz I couldn't use their products, but I I I was really hoping that this story would be more about the infrastructure of, of, of the internet. Um, and so I wanted to really, really cut myself off from them. And I just thought it would be more interesting and more challenging. Um, and I, I just wasn't sure how to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I love working with technologists. I, I pair up with them for, I think some of my, my best work. Um, and so my colleague Surya put me in touch with Dhruv Marotra, and we just talked about how would we do this. And he actually came back to me pretty quickly and said, "Oh, I I have an idea. We'll we'll just um, all these companies publish the lists of the IP addresses that they control, so I can just make a VPN where I just basically turn off those IP addresses for your devices." <laughs> um, and we we ran into some problems it wasn 't a perfect blocker, uh, but it did work pretty well and and very quickly made it obvious with with each company you know how often I interact with them and um, we also designed it so we could capture how often my devices were trying to talk to them and that actually ended up being really important because it told me how often these companies I was still trying to interact with them when I was deliberately not using their services
0: yeah and so you know one of the things that has come out at least from the series, the parts that have been published already, is that um, that your devices were reaching out to Amazon pretty much every second of every day, as yeah. far as I could tell. <laughs>
1: yes, uh, yeah, Amazon, um, and it's yeah. I guess it's a spoiler, but um, they were by far the company that I was I was still running into uh, repeatedly um, over the course of the week when I was blocking them with with Google. Um, in, in second place, those two were just Mm
0: -hmm.
1: more than any other company. And so with, with Amazon, it was like three, almost 300,000 data packets that were trying to be sent back and forth, um, from my device to them and and them to me. And Google was, um, over a hundred thousand and then basically Microsoft, Apple and Facebook all tie at about 15,000 data packets.
0: Right. I mean it's, it's interesting to, to some extent because I think even when people think about the big tech companies and even when they think about Amazon in particular, they don't like m- – most of the concerns about you know, data and, and collecting data, most of those concerns tend to be focused on Facebook first and Google probably second but pretty close to first. Not Amazon so much and yet um, Amazon is a pretty big deal here. Is, uh, and so I, I, I guess, like, were, were you surprised by that?
1: Yeah. My question in this series was both, I mean, privacy privacy is always my focus. Privacy is my entryway into so many different s- stories. Yeah. Um, but part of this was also just about power and control. And um, I, I honestly thought Google would be the hardest. And um, it was a surprise to me um, how how much deeper Amazon is woven into the infrastructure of the web
0: right. and
1: and and how many times I interact with them without knowing in a given day and how hard it was to find out what data they're getting. I um, Yeah, I'm a free, frequent user of Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and uh, I have the Amazon Prime credit card. So I was thinking, oh, well, what does Amazon get just from this card? And it turned out to be an impossible question to answer. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, that was yeah. like a that was a separate thing that you covered also, right? I mean, sort of the the data related to the Amazon Prime card.
1: Right, right. And it came out of the series cuz so I was just trying to figure out, well, you know, I have let's see. So, I use amazon.com all the time. I spend like $3,000 a year there. I have an Amazon Prime account. We have Amazon Video on our TV. We have an Echo. We have an Echo Dot, which is very embarrassing for <laughs> two people who are very focused on privacy and security. Um, we both have Amazon Prime credit cards, and so I was just trying to figure out, you know, when I'm when I'm not trying to block Amazon, how much of my data goes to them, how much of my money goes to them, and it was it was hard to answer the question. Um, and then over the the course of the block, I found out a lot more of my data goes than I realized.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, one of the interesting things that, that struck me about the Amazon piece in particular is like, uh, you know, a lot of the issue was actually having to do with AWS, Amazon Web Services, right, which is their sort of, um, you know, cloud hosting service that so many different companies rely on. Um, and, you know, mainly because it's, you know, it's it's a very... Quick, easy, and and you know, relatively inexpensive way to to host a lot of servers and to be able to handle you know uh, traffic spikes and, and things like that. Um, and so a lot of the world relies on Amazon Web Services. and And to some extent, you know, there's a part of me at least that thinks like that's that's a separate issue than. Than Amazon, the sort of retailer, and Amazon Web Services, even though it is part of the same company, and I'm kind of curious how the experiment would have gone if you had separated out Amazon Web Services from Amazon, and and everything that that it does. Was was there any? Um, I mean, did you think about it that way, or did you consider just you know leaving Amazon Web Services as a separate issue?
1: Well, I was actually trying. To- I mean, what I was interested in was the opposite, was Mm -hmm. the extent to which these companies all started as kind of single service companies, Um, that Amazon started as a company to sell books and Google started as a company to um, uh, do internet searches and Facebook started as a company to decide who was hot in your college class. Um, (laughs) And I I wanted to, to do this experiment to understand the ways in which these companies have changed radically from what they initially set out to be yeah. um, and the extent to which they really have uh, that you, I mean, you basically can't function normally in society today without relying on, on them. Um, and so that's, that is what I wanted to understand. And, and I think a lot of people, I mean, what what really surprised me when we released the Amazon piece was just the number of people, even, even people I think of as pretty highly educated in the tech space who kind of didn't know about AWS or hadn't Hmm. realized the extent to which Amazon powers the internet as we know it. Um, And so that's what I always love to do with pieces is just take something that's kind of like basic knowledge to people (laughs) in certain circles and, and make it um, known to people outside of those circles. Um, So yeah, I never thought about, about breaking it out. Um, Though I do think there's a question like AWS in terms of the data it collects about people, is, is, is different from you know Google trackers on a page or, or Facebook right. trackers on the page so I think there is some unfortunate conflation of, of what happens in terms of like data packets being sent around um, but I'm hoping the larger takeaway is that people just realize how powerful these companies have gotten and it really it was actually uh, I, I learned I mean as part of the story I ended up going back through um, you know Amazon's uh, earning statements from the past decade or more. And I hadn't realized that Amazon is only profitable because of AWS and that overall it loses money on its retail business. Uh, And that was kind of incredible to see that that Amazon recognized this market need and really filled it over the last 10 years. Um, They're such a giant. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is, it is really interesting to, to think about because even, you know, when you talk about the other companies, the Googles and the Facebooks, you know, I think... In both cases, you know, those companies are still very much reliant on what their original business was, right? And, you know, everything else, all of the tracking and the data stuff is sort of effectively to serve a purpose related to that. Whereas AWS is, is you know, it, it certainly grew out of Amazon Amazon's experience running a hugely scalable uh, system. But it's a really, it's an entirely different business. And it's it's, you know, it's a really... Sort of fascinating case study to look at in terms of how they ended up going there and and building this product um, that that seemed sort of out of the blue when, when they first announced it and they've done some really you know interesting things since then. But at the same time, has created this world as as you describe it, where so much of the you know so much of the inf- internet infrastructure that we all rely on relies on you know one of these few companies. And one of
1: the, the little notice parts of that piece, because it was at the end, was that Matthew Prince from Cloudflare, mm-hmm. who is a competitor to AWS, um, well, specifically to CloudFront, their, their, their content delivery network. But he basically raised this uh, kind of big alarm where he said AWS has the ability to collect data about the sites that it's hosting. And, you know, we've seen Amazon create marketplaces before, um, like the third-party marketplace on Amazon.com, and then collect data about those businesses and then to develop products that then competed with those businesses. And so Matthew Prince basically said that the same thing could happen with AWS. Um, and that's really interesting because AWS is hosting, for example, Netflix, Netflix which is a big mm-hmm. competitor with Amazon on entertainment. And so it just really had me thinking after that about yeah, you know, yeah. What data AWS is getting, and I, I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, but it seems like something people haven't haven't thought about that much. Um, when I when yeah. I tried asking around about it,
0: yeah, it's actually interesting. Especially, you know, as we were recording this, um, you know, just a couple days ago, or even yesterday, as as we were recording this, there was a story that came out in TechCrunch about um, Facebook and the the latest situation with them. Uh, in this case, they were paying people to install an app to basically uh, record everything that they do. Um, but, you know, th- this actually has a, a fairly longer-tail history in that, you know, Facebook had this app that they referred to as sort of a, a VPN or privacy app, but what it was really doing was kind of the opposite of that in terms of collecting all this data, and then Facebook itself as revealed another releases uh, from the last few months was using all of that data to figure out what apps were becoming really, really popular and then making, you know, decisions over, you know, what, what their own products they should develop uh, would be and also like what products they should make less visible on Facebook apparently. Um, and that, you know, you could see a very similar situation happening with Amazon and all the data that they could collect. Um, from from AWS and potentially use that for anti-competitive reasons of some sort or another. Um, and it is interesting that there has been very little discussion of that, that I've heard at least.
1: And Lena Kahn, you know, did this uh, mm-hmm. remarkable paper on um, uh, basically Amazon is a monopoly um, according to uh, antitrust as it used to be kind of practiced or understood in the United States. And there she writes about how... Um, Amazon has in the past taken data from AWS to invest in startups where it saw, wow, this person, mm-hmm. this company is doing gangbusters traffic on our platform. We should probably invest in them. So we have at least seen them acting on that, that you know, what is metadata um, right. in the past. And so, yeah, there's a the so, question I mean, of what they could do now.
0: I, I mean, to, to, to push back on that a little bit, um, like, I, you know, and... I'm not sure if if that in itself is a problem necessarily. I mean it, it sounds like, okay, well, um, you could see situations under which them having access to certain data could become problematic. But seeing, you know, that there's an interesting startup company that's doing interesting stuff that we should invest in, um, you know, I think there are pretty strong arguments that I might agree with that, you know, that's not that's not a problematic aspect of the data that they have access to. Um, but,
1: but it is the problem that you just described with Facebook's Anava VPN that they were using the data from that to look at what people were interested in, like uh, seeing that a lot of people were mm-hmm. using WhatsApp, and it's why they decide to buy WhatsApp.
0: Yeah, and and it, it you know there's a whole debate here that might be going slightly off topic, but that that is interesting though. That you know where where is that okay and where is it not? I mean, I think personally, the the stuff that. Uh, where, where I where I find it problematic is when it's being done in two ways. One where there isn't transparency into you know what's being collected and how it's how it's being used. Um, and so you know maybe there's an argument there that that Amazon is not being uh, transparent about it, and Facebook certainly is not necessarily very transparent about it. The second is if it's being used in ways that would be considered anti-competitive, um, and so. Mm-hmm. you know um you know investing in a startup to sort of help them grow is that anti-competitive uh you know I, I don't know i mean there's there's a line where you know maybe it switches from one to the other but you know uh buying whatsapp um you know is, is that anti-competitive maybe um but you know they they you know at least until now they've sort of let facebook op- i'm sorry let whatsapp operate on its own um, there are arguments that I, I see and understand. Not for and, much longer though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From what this we hear. <laughs> this is, it is now, yeah, being said that they're going to integrate them into everything else, but it has been a few years. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it's a fine line. I, I, and, and, you know, we we could go, you know, way beyond the, the sort of official topic of this podcast and talking about, but I do think it is interesting to think about these things. It's easy to sort of say, well, they have all this data and they do stuff with it and therefore it's bad. Um, but, you know, sometimes I do think it's worth taking a step back and like trying to, you know, think through is, is it really bad? Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm far from me to to be defending the, the big companies and what they do because I... I Tend to think that they're not, not very good with how they handle their data, and they're certainly not very transparent about it. Um, but you know, I, I, I at least just think we should we should be careful about, or at least I'm going to be careful about saying you know just because they have access to this data, that's necessarily a bad thing.
1: Right? No, I absolutely agree. I I don't like data boogeyman, and as I I know you know since you read my work, I usually try to go out there and find the harms as opposed yeah, to you know absolutely just saying it's bad because they have access to this data. Um, but I do like people to know that they have access to this yeah. data. <laughs> <laughs> no, and
0: I, I think that's important. I mean, I think the transparency part is, is really important and, and sort of, you know, reporting like like the work that you do is, is what helps make that clear. And certainly, you know, I think the world would be a better place if the companies themselves were a lot more transparent and and you know, to the point of giving the end users a lot more visibility into what it is that that they do. Because every time it comes out in these ways where it, it wasn't so transparent, then you know it just you know it looks bad. <laughs> you know, there's no reason for them to be so so shady about everything, <laughs> um, which which is is kind of incredible. So so um, going back to to your set of stories though, do, what well, what do you hope people learned in in sort of reading through them?
1: Wow, um, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> i I hope that it's a way. I mean, I think I I didn't ex- expect it to become this, but I do. It it does definitely have like an antitrust monopoly thread that's running through these pieces, mm-hmm. um, and it's asking. I mean, the the real question I wanted to address was. People who, when you talk about these companies being too powerful or they're uh, invading our privacy or being abusive of consumers in some way, people always say, well, why don't you just stop using them? Right. And what I want to find out in this series is whether that was possible. And I think the answer is that it's not possible um, mm-hmm. just because they're so woven into everything we do. So that was really the main takeaway that I hope people have from this is that the answer isn't just stop using their products. We need to do more, um, whether that's regulation um, or, you know, uh, choosing to use other products um, to help them be competitive with, with these ones. But it, right. it, it's just not possible to not use their products.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's 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 a fair statement and a fair thing for, for people to understand and, and to think about. Um, you know, it's one of the things that that struck me as I was reading, and I've been, you know, reading the, each of the pieces so far, and thinking about is it, it's like, to some extent, it almost feels like, you know, what would it be like if you, you know, cut roads out of your life, right? Like, <laughs> you, you know, you couldn't travel by road. Like, wow, that would be really, really difficult. And so, you know, because that's how you get anywhere, right? Unless you're just, you know, right, I'm going to cut home. the
1: U.S. government out of my life. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right, A hard one to tackle.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, there there are certain elements of of just general infrastructure that we all rely on. Though the one the the sort of big difference, of course, is that these are all just sort of private companies, whereas the other every other example that I could think of, for the most part, you know, were government entities, um, or you know, in the case of like electricity or something like that, right you know, that's that's a heavily regulated industry. Um and so like, you know, if you told me to cut PG and E out of my life, like <laughs> that would that would have a huge impact <laughs> because I sort of rely on having electricity for like almost everything. Um but it's a very different kind of industry than than the internet, right? Um and so I I'm 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 sort of struggling with you know a, a, as I'm sort of you know reading through your pieces trying to struggle with you know what 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 am I learning from it um and and normally I do that on my own I don't have the actual reporter to talk to <laughs> <laughs> so 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 walk me through even I mean you have to some extent but, but you know what should I be thinking about
1: Well I think that's a question right like the internet the internet is still I'm always I'm always struggling with this the internet's still so new in a way yeah. um like just a consumer internet you kind know, of a central part of all of our lives is maybe a 20-year phenomenon
0: yeah
1: um and it it kind of like developed in this just this hodgepodge way um yeah this has been written about a lot but i mean the tech companies are the government on the internet um right. They've built the the platforms for speech um they're they're building the roads they control the roads and it's 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 very much this kind of corporate controlled environment um with all these kind of weird standards bodies that are in the background making important decisions, but standards bodies that are increasingly also controlled by people from these big companies and and now that we're living so much of our lives there. I think it's really important for people to to understand that and and what that means, and so I feel like this series is one little piece of of understanding that that yeah. kind of world that we're living in now um, i don't know if I have like huge answers for for everybody <laughs> um sure but, but part of what I'm just trying to do here and what I try to do with a lot of my stories is just helping the people helping people to understand how we live our lives now and yeah. and kind of make the um, the invisible visible and I don't think a lot of people kind of like just understand these 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 rails of the internet and how they yeah. work and um, the all that happens on a web page when you're on it or using an app and so part of that is I just kind of want to deconstruct that for people so that they can see yep. it and kind of make more informed decisions about how they live their own lives or just you know understand how the car that is the internet works um, <laughs> And we have I we have some really big decisions to make in, in the years to come about how we how we do control our data and what our rights are online and you know, again it's only been twenty years and it just feels like we struggle with that every single year, but um it, it feels like it's getting more and more intense to me. Um, just because we all are on the internet so much and um our yeah. lives our lives there are are really full, rich, um, full and rich lives. Uh, so that was yeah. my bigger takeaway from this whole experiment: is God, I I want to use technology so much less than I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it, it, and it was interesting, and, and and you know you've done a great job with it because it really does sort of highlight you know where all these companies are and how involved they are and and how in, in ways that you just don't even think about. And and to me, part of it too is like. the the recognition of almost how gradual it was that that these companies sort of took over more and more uh, things that were happening kind of in the background. I mean, it really wasn't that long ago that, you know, I used Google without logging in. They had no record of what I was searching for. I was just, you know, you would just go and search and it would put up, you know, targeted advertisements based on the keywords of what I was searching for um, and not every other bit of data... Um, that it had collected elsewhere. Um, and now that, that feels like such an antiquated yeah. idea. Um, and it's it's kind of striking to me sort of how subtle that switch was from from one to the other. Um, and, you know, your piece really sort of, or your series of pieces really sort of drives home how much these, these things are. I don't know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, you said it makes you want to use technology less. I, I So I was thinking about that and I'm, I'm not sure I had the same reaction to it. Um but I might be strange. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing that a lot of people probably had the same reaction as you did. Um it it, it just it did make me want to think more about, you know about overall internet infrastructure and kind of how it works. Um and you know, and how different it has become over these past twenty years and really into the last five to ten um in terms of, you know, the whole point of the internet was that it was this really decentralized system and that, you know, anyone could basically, you know, set up their own shop or or place or whatever you want to call it and and build off of it. And it wasn't reliant on any particular company or any particularly large company. And you could sort of bounce around if, you know, even if you had like a web hosting company here or there, you could move very easily. Um, and I'm wondering if that sort of, you know, nice feature of the internet is you know what what your series is showing is that that's somewhat gone away um not totally i mean there are still ways that you could set up a a site that doesn't involve any of those companies but it's increasingly difficult it's increasingly
1: Um, difficult and there's fewer and fewer people who are doing that um actually the the technologist i worked with is kind of of that group of Mm -hmm. I, i consider them uh i don't know what you would call them but like the 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 free software, the decentralized, people that are really concerned with kind of digital rights and uh, just the control mechanisms on the internet. And so he was pretty horrified when we were blocking Google that Mm -hmm. the connected devices in my house, and I I don't even know which ones were doing this, but in order to see if they were connected, to see if the internet was working, they just pinged Google. Um, So Mm. for them, the internet. In its entirety, it which is <laughs> represented by Google, and right? That is just a good example of how decentralization uh, online is going away.
0: Yeah, but 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 when you think about it, right? You you can totally understand the the engineering rationale behind that, right? I mean, like, which site are you uh, almost positive is going to be up all the time if you're going to ping a server? Is it going to be Google or is it going to be you know whatever server that that? whatever iot device company sets up you probably have more faith in google being up than anything else but yes it does create these sort of weird situations like that
1: one thing i want to say though when i say that i want to use technology less it wasn't Uh so much because i was like horrified by the findings but Uh it was just that um a result of the experiment was that i was taking you know companies out of my life but it also meant that i was just taking technology out of my life yeah because when we were blocking amazon for example um, it took out all digital entertainment for me. Like Netflix was down, HBO go was down, um, Amazon prime video was down, uh, our echoes were down, so we couldn't listen to music in the house. <laughs> and so it just forced me to do other things. And so right. I like, instead of letting my two year old watch a movie, we would like go to the playground. Um, and it just, it, it, the series made me rethink a lot of just my tech habits and I realized I had developed some bad tech habits. And um, so in that way, it wasn't the intention intention of the series, but it, was, it ended up being a tech purge at one point <laughs> to to come, as we're doing this podcast, it may already be out um, on the series, but like when I needed to find a smartphone, there wasn't an option. There wasn't yeah. a non-Apple, non-Google option. So I had to go back to a. Nokia 3310, (laughs) um, which is a dumb phone with a very basic opera browser on it. And, um, yeah, just, and to not have a smartphone was very frustrating, but freeing (laughs) in a way at the same time. And, um, so yeah, it just made me rethink tech in my life. And I think all of us, uh, maybe are starting to feel, uh, Pretty conflicted about how much time we spend staring at screens, and this made me just want to spend less time doing that and to try to engineer my life in a way that i that I don't do that so easily <laughs> and so automatically
0: yeah no I think I think that's 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 really interesting um, and it, it really hadn't even occurred to me either that like if you didn't want to use either Apple or Google products that your smartphone choices are very, very limited incredibly Um, limited yeah um that is that is interesting i hadn't hadn't even considered that but this um,
1: market is a duopoly
0: yeah um yeah though it's uh, yeah again leading to some really yeah interesting results and stuff um but um Okay. And so, so, and, and so by the time this is out, it hasn't been published yet, but do you want to talk a little bit about, because uh, I'm really curious, about the week where you tried to block all of these guys?
1: Yeah, um, that week was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult. Um, I, so I switched to using a Linux computer made by mm-hmm. a company called Purism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I used a Nokia 3310, um, smartphone. Luckily, actually my Microsoft had bought Nokia. And so I got the Nokia 3310 and was like, Oh God, it's a Microsoft phone. But <laughs> apparently they had since gotten rid of it in a very yes. bad deal where they lost a lot of money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's now owned, um, by a different company. Um, and, uh, what else I, so yeah, so I, I, I just, I didn't have smartphone options. That's going to change soon. Um, there's Mm -hmm. a couple of different outfits that are working on non-Apple, non-Google smartphones. Um, but they, they, I think the earliest one is available in, um, in April. Um, and yeah, a lot of the internet I couldn't use and, uh, I couldn't find like a, I didn't have mapping apps. Um, yeah, it just made life harder. Like these tech giants offer a lot of, services that make our lives really convenient yeah. and I definitely missed those services and it was inc- it was very hard to try not to use all the tech giants <laughs> <laughs> if not impossible
0: yeah yeah I can I can imagine um uh, so yeah I'm, uh, just because you know even even just reading the stories about cutting one of them out of your life you know I you could you still have the other ones that you could use to some extent um, and and doing without all of them seems like um, uh, it would, would be would be quite difficult I mean you know the the flip side again playing a little bit of devil's advocate is you know it does also suggest all of the you know it, it's not just convenience right that it's it's they are providing value we do use all these services for a reason um, perhaps we do get too reliant on them Um But, um, you know, they're, they're at least somewhat, there's some value in there that we like. Right, right. They're Um,
1: crucial. Um, you know, since the, since the block ended, I've gone back to using many of the services they offer mm -hmm. because they're important services and I need them to, to do my job and, and live my life. Um, but it was, it was interesting to live this way. And I, I met people who do this for whom this isn't just a stunt, who really do try to avoid these companies and, have have come up with ways to do that they tend to be technologists they tend to know their way around a server and a computer and they can do their own hosting um and and yeah i started to think a lot about this lifestyle as um kind of being like a, a digital vegetarian or a, mm. or digital vegan and the way i went about it was like extreme digital vegan like the vegan who doesn't eat honey um and the people I encountered, even they, they're like, "Wow, this is really hardcore to do a VPN <laughs> that blocks the IPs." Uh, and but there are people out there who try to live like this, and yeah. who think it's you know important not to have your data kind of just flowing through all of these company systems because you know data is power, and we just. We don't have really good control mechanisms or regulations in the United States right now for what companies do with our data. And so it's hard to protect ourselves from potential harms because we just we don't know how the data will be used. And we don't really have any mechanisms to stop bad uses.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, though, I mean, it's still, you know, not not for for for. What you did, but it still strikes me as a little bit of overkill to, to, to completely cut yourself off. I mean, it's, you know, obviously everybody gets to make their own choices. Um, but I think that there are ways that you can mitigate some of those things without, without you know. But I guess I, right. I would be the, the bad vegetarian who eats fish <laughs> in, that, in, in that analogy.
1: I honest, I mean, I wouldn't advise anyone to do what I did. And part of why right. I did it, though, I mean, it was extreme. I'm doing it for a story. And I did want to capture the way that ways yeah. that I interact with these companies unknowingly. So, um, it is a stunt and, um, and, but I think it's one, I wasn't sure. You never know when you start one of these stories, you know, I love to do first person journalism yep. and you never know when you start one of these stories, whether it's just going to be stupid. But I, <laughs> I felt like I learned a lot through the exercise. So I'm yeah. glad I did it, but there's certainly like, there's lots to criticize about the way I went went about it or, um, I, 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 it was funny with the the Facebook one kind of mm-hmm. garnered the most criticism because people just thought it was stupid that I miss Facebook or I feel like I need it, um, uh, that I can't go a week without it, and and it, I totally understand those criticisms. But it was really interesting blocking Facebook and all of its all of its all of the apps it controls because. Right. I just think society has changed in a way where we have become really reliant specifically on Facebook and Instagram and use it for sharing social news. I I, I literally missed out on one of my closest friends having her baby until Mm. I re-enabled my Facebook account and saw the photo. And I called her and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, if I if I put it on Facebook, I just assume that all of my friends will see it. Um, and there's certain events that you just don't get invited to if you're not on Facebook because people organize through there. Yep. Um, and so I've i just been trying to be really honest in these pieces about about what it's like and what my bad habits are. Um, <laughs> and some people like that, and some people, yeah. Yeah. Critical. I mean, I mean
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people are always going to complain, you know. <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I mean, I think it's as I said, you know, I think it's a really effective way of making this point, whether or not people agree with you or, or how you live your life but it's like that that's not the point that you're, you're not making a point about how you live your life you're making a point about you know how these services work um and using your life as sort of the example which i think it was a very effective way of doing it um and it, it is interesting i mean the one thing you know in reading the facebook piece it made me think about it as well and like um you know, I I don't think I use Facebook as much as you do, um, and like I have actually removed that the app from my from my phone. Um, though I I will visit it just directly through the web. I actually find the web interface nicer, and it doesn't bombard me with notifications. <laughs> um, but um, but I do feel like you know I miss certain stories, and and I was realizing too, like even um, you know when when. Um, like, it is how I inform my family of stuff, basically. Um, whereas I used to use email to do that. And we had, like, I had set up email lists for different configurations of my family. <laughs> um, and those are, you know, those are dead. I mean, they're they're out of date and occasionally they get spam sent through them. <laughs> but, um, like, you know, I was thinking, like, the birth of my first Uh, Child, I told people over email and I'd set up a private page on a server that I controlled with pictures of the baby and everything like that. And by the time my second child was born, I just announced it on Facebook because that's what everybody does.
1: You didn't tweet it.
0: Uh, I did not. I don't talk about my children on Twitter for the most part, <laughs> um, which was just a decision that I I made. Same. Uh, <laughs> but um, well, I mean, you know, it's 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 a balancing thing. I don't you know, I don't like deny that I have children, <laughs> um, but you know, um, you know, I try to, you know, leave them as free from from me you know, destroying their lives <laughs> publicly uh, as as possible. And I even sort of hesitated just like whether or not I should even mention that on the podcast, but I've mentioned my kids before. Um, but, you know, but it, it was interesting to me to think about like the different way in which I even treated, you know, there's sort of a four-year gap between between my kids and, and how I treated their births differently in terms of letting family and friends know about it. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, when I did it on Facebook, I did it where I limited who could see it. It's not a public post, but, um, it is still, that's where I put it. And that's where I, you know, for the last, you know, however many years, almost all the pictures of my kids, if anyone ever sees them, it's on Facebook. Um, just because that's the easiest way. I know that my parents will see it there. I know that my sister will see it there. I know that, you know, various cousins will see it. Um, and it's just, that's just, The way to do it, but then there's the question of like, well, is that really the way that I want to share my information about my family?
1: That was the hardest thing about the full block is that I was reliant on email, Uh and I found that people just don't respond to email anymore. (laughs) And texting, and I was using this Nokia 3310, so I had to do T9 texting. Oh gosh, you know, I remember that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I lived through
1: that yeah just communicating with people is hellish <laughs> when blocking yeah. all the tech giants
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting and, and so so one of the, the other things um, and I guess this will sort of be the, the the final thing that we can talk about that you know and you've brought this up a little bit as we 're talking about it, just kind of like and not with not not with any sort of um, specifics um, but like you know getting people to think about you know sort of what should be done. Um, in these situations. And you brought up like the idea of antitrust and, and monopoly power, duopoly power in some cases. Um, and, you know, this is something that I think about a lot um, and that, you know, certainly your series got me thinking more about, uh, which, you know, is good. And I'm sort of, you know, I've been talking a lot lately about, you know, in an ideal world, <laughs> um, we would have a lot more competition for these services so that the idea that competition is a click away, wasn't such a crazy idea. Um, that's not the world that we live in right now necessarily. Um, but I'm trying to figure out like, and and this is, this is beyond, you know, the realm of what you were writing about, like, how do we get to that world? Um, and I, I have a fear, um, that most of the solutions that people suggest do the opposite. <laughs> sure. Which, and, and, and you can disagree with me and tell me that this is, this is incorrect but, or that you, know, you, you feel differently. But I, I worry that the reaction to most of these kinds of things when they talk about regulating these platforms, I fear that it leads to worlds where they sort of get locked in as the only platforms. Um, So yeah,
1: I had, I have two thoughts when you asked me that question of solutions. And I think, you know, again, privacy realm is kind of my, uh, the realm where I'm most comfortable. And I would say, you know, we need better privacy regulations. We need something like the California law where you can get access to your data so that when I ask Chase and Amazon, Hey, what does Amazon learn when I use my, you know, Amazon prime chase credit card, they have to tell me. Um, but You know, Europe passed GDPR, and I keep hearing from everybody, um, you know, this big set of privacy regulations that a lot of companies need to comply with now, and I keep hearing from everybody, well, it's relatively easy for the big tech companies to comply with it because they have armies of privacy lawyers that they can pay to figure it out, whereas for smaller, you know, startups, the potential competitors to these companies, it's much harder for them. Um, So I definitely hear that a lot. Um, But the other thing I it really became clear to me. Um, So the Microsoft entry, which you haven't read yet, Mm -hmm. but comes out tomorrow in this time time frame (laughs) that we're in right now. We'll already be out by the time the podcast comes out. It's basically just, uh, it's just basically like a history, um, uh, a dive into history and when regulators went after Microsoft in the 1990s. And I mean, my takeaway from this is that I really, I really think that the Open Markets Institute has compelling arguments that antitrust regulators in the U S have just been asleep at the wheel for, uh, for decades really. Um, and you know, these, he's the frightful five, um, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple, uh, and Microsoft have bought like over 400 companies in the last few years. And there's just been no pushback from, from regulators. And it, it does seem like we've seen some really consolidation, um, we've seen consolidation of control in certain markets and the federal trade commission is, you know, supposed to oversee that and it, it kind of feels like they're not. Um,
0: so. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to read it. I'm, I will admit, and I think I've said before, I, I've not found open markets, people that compelling, hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I read, you know, what they, what they write and I certainly listen to them and I think they're, you know they're smart and well-meaning, um, but every time I've sort of dug in on some of their stuff, I, I have issues with it. This is, you know, again, I, we don't need to go off on a on a huge tangent. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested to sort of see what that is. I mean, my sort of potential counter to that is that you know over and over again, well, so two two counterpoints. One being that, um, you know, I, I I think I tend to agree with some aspect of the way the FTC works on antitrust right now, and in terms of like focusing on whether or not there's consumer harm, um, which I know like the open markets people think is, is the wrong standard to be using. Um, I think there's value in that. Um, uh, You know, I I do think there is an interesting argument specifically around the acquisitions um, and some of the open markets people have made this. and, And this is, this part is more compelling to me than others that, you know, perhaps when the companies are like this and and have so much say like we should be looking much more closely at the acquisitions even if it's like a small company like the whatsapp and instagram acquisitions potentially um but you know um i i don't know some of the other and and so so the other point i was going to make is like you know, we've heard some of these arguments before. I mean, part of the rationale for the – and again, I haven't read the, the piece that you did on Microsoft. But like some of the rationale for the antitrust effort against Microsoft at the time was, you know, how dominant it was. And basically nobody could, um, you know, nobody could ever take down Microsoft and they were going to control everything. And they were destroying the internet with Internet Explorer. And yet, you know, here we are. 20-somewhat years later, Internet Explorer has, like, you know, 1% of the market. uh, And it's a very, very different place. And, you know— But the question
1: is, is that because of the antitrust crackdown in the Sure. Now,
0: that that is a question. I think it would be very difficult to draw a direct line from that. Maybe it hurts some aspects of it. um, But I don't see, like, the remedies that the antitrust effort— Put on them, you know. You could argue that it led to different actions and different things that sort of um, hurt Microsoft in other ways. But you know, I'm not convinced. I mean, the other the other point that that I, and I've shown this article around before is like there was like this uh, 2007 article. I forget where it was that talked about how. There was this social network that was going to dominate all other social networks and nobody would ever stop it. And it was a problem because it was going to be the monopoly, and it was MySpace. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, like, even that article sort of mocked Facebook as a potential competitor to MySpace. And that is not how the world played out, you know. And so. You know, I I like the idea of creative destruction and and allowing competitors to to step in and and, uh, you know, and and destroy the monopolies that that people see uh, when that's possible. And I worry about policies that that potentially get in the way of that or lock in the big companies as, as we talked about before. Yeah,
1: I think that's a real danger. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's, you know, there it's these are difficult questions and I think they're ones worth thinking about and, and in order to properly think about them and discuss them, it does help to have a better understanding of, you know, what the different companies are doing. And that's, you know, and I think your article or your set of articles are, are really helpful in, in thinking about it and certainly making me think about it as well. Um, but um yeah i I don't think that there's necessarily an easy answer for any of this you know i think i
1: don't either and that's why i'm glad i'm a journalist (laughs) because i don't don't have to come up with the answers i just have to ask good questions
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and and then and and uh present them in interesting ways which you do uh an excellent job of including with this series so for people who haven't read it hopefully this podcast has uh gotten you interested in going back and reading the whole series um it is it is uh very well done as expected um and you should uh follow cash on twitter and read all the other stuff that she writes there's lots of other good stories including (laughs) your your regular series on uh um uh, mapping companies, destroying someone's lives by saying stolen, stolen devices. Are in data harms. That's definitely one of my favorite yeah. data harm stories. <laughs> um, There's there some good ones there and, and lots of other stories as, as well. Um, but this, this was a really great and thought provoking series. And uh, I'm glad that you were, uh, well, I'm glad that you wrote it. I'm glad that you were able to take the time and, and talk to me on the podcast as I sort of puzzled through it in my own head as well.
1: My pleasure. And I also love that this series comes with videos for people who don't yes. like to read. Um, the videos are really incredible, done by my colleague, and yeah, I love them, and they feature are they hosted my daughter. A serv-
0: <laughs> yes, uh, uh, your daughter, who is now somewhat public because, <laughs> because of the videos. Um, are, are, the, are the videos hosted on a big tech platform?
1: <laughs> yeah, so actually, I don't know if they worked it into the video, but the CMS relies on Google uh, okay. hosting, so yeah there you go tech giants are always in the background
0: yes 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 as always um but okay cool well uh again thanks thanks for doing the podcast um it was an interesting discussion it's um you know the articles gave me plenty to think about that this discussion has continued to give me plenty to think about and so i always appreciate that um and it's uh fun to, to get a chance to talk to you and um that's that's it (laughs) (laughs) well
1: this is great thanks for having me on
0: sure and uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back next week